Welcome to Ladies Who Launch, not your average business podcast. Dropping every other Wednesday, Alyssa and Dakota are two successful and opinionated marketing entrepreneurs engaging in insightful conversations with industry thought leaders, as well as casual conversations surrounding our lives as entrepreneurs. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Launch. We are coming to you just after Christmas. We hope that everyone has had a wonderful holiday season and got to get away with their family and relax a little bit. And we are almost into 2022, you guys. So we are focusing this episode on leveling up in 2022. But before we start talking about what that means, how you doing, Alyssa? I'm good. It's uh, it's nice to have a bit of a break. And I think we're everyone, well, me in particular, and I know we have a bit of a ladies who launch strategy session coming up. And I think everybody right now is probably relaxing as they should and finishing off all their quality street. That's still in the <laughs> quality street. I love quality street. Um, but yeah, I think we're all sort of a little antsy now to see what, as we get into 2022, like what's going to happen, what's, what we want our businesses to be, what we want to do personally. Um, I know those thoughts are starting to rattle around in my head and I can't be the only one. So it's probably a good thing we're going to talk about that today. Totally. By the way, um, very embarrassing. It is 2022. <laughs> the first week of January. Apparently I've been on vacation mode for far too long. But anyways, uh, yeah, we are coming to you from 2022. Um, so this is what happens when okay, let's just like let's just be totally transparent. Like we are pre-recording these, be pre-rior to Christmas. Okay, yeah, I don't even know why I'm trying to bullshit you. It's December 10th today, just for anyone who cares. (laughs) Okay, come on, I was trying to act this whole time. Well, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. We fine. had like we are so terrible at this. Like anything pre-recorded. I, just I think a few times we indicated like elections that are coming up and like it's already happened. But like we are just oh, so man. terrible. At sorry, guys. We're, so yeah, it's sorry, December not sorry. 10th, people. We're awesome. It's really yeah, it is. January fifth, twenty. We haven't had a break yet. I mean, I ha- I went on vacation, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, it was more of a working vacation, but anyway. But realistically, it's January yeah. 5th. No one's really back to work yet. Um, at least real, really. Even if you're in an office, everyone's you're still not going to be back to work. Babies. Yeah. You're like slowly come, coming out of the vacation slog. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so I wanted to have a bit of a conversation with Alyssa because... Um, and I wanted to include you guys in the conversation Because I think moving into 2022, I've been thinking a lot about what is my goal, Um, obviously, or what are my goals? Obviously, Alyssa and I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions. If you turned into, if you sorry, if you tuned into fuck New Year's resolutions last year, you'll know why. Um, But I think moving into 2022, my outlook is more on how can I level up, and the areas that I want to level up in are in the following. I want to level up my commitment to myself. I want to level up my commitment to my time and my space. And when I say space, I mean that in a variety of ways. I mean space to, you know, work on work stuff more thoughtfully, space to be present, space to spend time with loved ones and really focus in on 
my time with them instead of just being like rushing through life all the time. I really felt like the last couple of years, I've just been like rushing through life and I'm sick of it. It's no way to live. So this year, I really want to level up my space and my time for me. And so that's going to involve some major work in a number of areas. It's going to involve um, saying goodbye, saying thank you and goodbye to some clients that have been absolutely fantastic, but just unfortunately, we no longer align in our business models or, or we can't really offer them what they need just because they need more than what we can give them. So it's going to mean kind of like wrapping up with a couple of clients, which is never fun and kind of sad. But I think looking back and just honoring the time that we had and being thankful for the work. And then really looking to what kinds of clients do we want to work with moving forward? And do they fit in with our service offerings and with our purpose? So that's going to be another big thing. But one of the bigger things and more challenging things that I'm going to have to do in 2022, and if you're a business owner, you'll probably have to do it too, is looking at your current client roster and even looking at your current kind of community, maybe it's not even work-related, and trying to understand where you're giving your time and energy, how much of that time and energy you're giving, and what you kind of need in return in order to continue with those activities and people. And then in turn, having very respectful but leveling up conversations around what needs to go and what needs to stay or what needs to change. And so I'm going to look to my very knowledgeable and good friend, Alyssa here, because I know she's probably done this more than I have. And I'm going to kind of ask her like, Alyssa, how, if we were to, to look at me as a case study, how would you say I should go about looking at, say, my current client roster, some of the clients I've had for five years, And how do I approach them to say like, hey, we've rebranded our entire company. We're now offering more. We've built out capacity. Um, We love you. We want to stick with you. But here's what we can offer you moving forward. But that is going to come with a higher price tag. How would you say that like the best approach to go about that is? Because I feel like a lot of people listening have the same question. Okay, let's start with the clients that you've had for an extended period of time or the ones that have sort of been with you since the beginning and have kind of grown with you or you've kind of adapted to them? Start there. Okay. I think what might be a good idea or something that might be quite interesting is to re-pitch your business as it is now. So kind of set up a time with them where you're going to come in as though they don't need to know this, but this is what you're thinking in your head as Mm -hmm. though you're pitching a prospective new client and tell them about your business, about your like services that have changed, things that you're capable of doing now that you weren't maybe before the, the, the network of, of people that you have around you that support blah, 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 and sort of do a new business pitch so that they as older clients understand the breadth of what your business is now. And you can sort of talk about how you've grown over the past number of years and your blah, blah, blah. And why I'm saying that is because I think if you're going to start talking about price and stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute, I think you have to give any clients who have been with you for an extended period of time an understanding of 
the value that you're already providing them. Like they need to see that the things that you're capable of doing and the things that you're doing for them and and what that means in current in their current situation. Because when it comes to price, you have to be able to in very clear, definitive deliverables or delivered ables, um, <laughs> show them what they have received from you in the past X number of years. So in, in right. pitching to them as ABC pers- perspective client or whatever, you yeah. need to be able to show, sort of do a, do a, uh, an enhancement of, of where you started with them yeah. and what you were doing three or four years ago versus three years ago versus today. So they can see what you've brought to the table. They can see like tangibly, like, oh, our so your social channels were here when I came on board and now they're mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. We were you were here with um this campaign or you were even doing campaigns and now we're doing this. Like like legitimately just lay it out for them so they can see over the past years how you have been able to grow with their business and grow their business for them. Because when you when it comes to price or like or um uh value i guess you could you could say it in that more you need to be able to show what you've done for them to date and over the years and why this needs to happen moving forward and i think it's a good it's probably a good position or a good time to be doing these sorts of things because everyone in the world understands how everything has changed Everything is more expensive. Like when people talk about gas being expensive or groceries, but it's like, yeah, but my website subscription is more expensive or my Adobe, Mm -hmm. like all the things that we utilize as service providers are also more expensive or Google's more expensive. Mm -hmm. So when people just think of service, it's just like the output that you're putting out. But even like for my hairstylist, for example, her rates she's posted are going up in 2022 because her cost yeah. of goods is going up. So the shampoo, totally. the colors, all those things she has to buy, like that's just all part of it. So maybe that's part of the discussion is it's like all of these things like Sprout Social and all the things that I have to use in order to do my job for you have gone, have up. gone up in price. Yeah, and, and then capacity building too, and capacity right? capacity building. I yeah. have to bring on people that cost more. And so I think the conversation is more around what you're bringing to the table yeah. As opposed to just like, I'm raising your rates 20%. Oh, heck no. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and this is exactly kind of what I needed to hear from you and what I think a lot of our listeners who own their own businesses as well should hear. And frankly, this is something that you should be addressing every single year. And it's not to say that the last five years, I haven't raised my prices every single year based off of what's been happening in the market. The difference this time around is we've rebranded into something different. We've become a different company. Um, And so the conversation is really around, this is what we've rebranded into. This is what we're now offering. But here's also why the value that that we have provided you is worth up-leveling in 2020. Um, But I love that. Or sorry, 2020. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going back in time. No. 2022. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think step number one, just to kind of go over that for those of you who maybe didn't catch it all, would be um, coming up sort of with a case study as to what you have provided the client. Step number two would be um, selling them on your business model over again and giving them an understanding of what you will be offering them or continuing to offer them. 
And then explaining to them the inflation in your overhead, which should be happening every year if you're growing. Um, and it will happen. The other thing I think that's important to note, um, and thank you, Alyssa, for, for your awesome advice as always, is if you are working in, in the digital marketing or social media marketing sphere, um, educating your clients on trends. So especially this year more than ever, we've gone from seeing less and less static content and more and more video content, especially by way of reels. Um, content creation has now become one of the main things you need to know how to do in order to successfully use social media in your marketing medium um, or as one of your marketing mediums. And so this is an entire different ballgame of service offering. So I think you know, moving forward, educating your clients on the fact that content has changed and their content marketing strategy should change. Uh, and this is why I need to capacity build in order to fulfill this for you is a conversation that you need to have with them um, as well. So yeah, I think discussing rates, like especially I find this more difficult as a service provider because it's it's like I think it's a conversation we've had in prior episodes, but clients, no matter what sector you work in, in no matter what service you're providing, are much more amenable to to paying more for a product that they get, they receive, they have in their hands, than they are a service. Like that is just an inherent mental capacity issue that just people humanity in general has that it's like, why, why is it so much for like why is a consultant 150 or 200 dollars an hour? It's like, well, you're paying for the expertise. Like you're not we're not making a widget for you, but you're paying for my expertise. And sometimes that's hard for people to understand. And so when you're when you're speaking about rates and pricing from a service perspective, um, it's important to show the tangible deliverables that you've provided in whatever capacity, whether it's increased sales, whether it's increased brand presence, whether it's um, more media coverage or ROI regarding media cover or whatever those pieces are, we as service providers have to do a better job of showcasing that and the value of that to yeah. clients because they don't understand the output of, of paying $200 an hour for a consultant or a, a $3,500 monthly retainer or whatever the heck it is, right? So that's on us and nothing against product providers, like if you're in retail or whatever, no one's saying that your life is any easier or whatever by having to raise your prices. But from a service perspective, people are just less likely to just immediately accept a price increase on a service than they are a product. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think to Alyssa's point as well, you know, if you need something to further your case study around why clients need to pay you more, um, providing them with that hard data in some sort of a report or showcasing, you know, like not only followership and impressions and all that, but like asking them if you don't have the information. So doing kind of almost like a survey with them, like how many clients did you see come in as a result of social media? And you should be, you should have those parameters set up ahead of time and you should actually be asking for them every month. Um, but if you don't, like, I think a, a good sort of like 2021 exit survey is a good thing to have because then it can open the floor in the conversation for, yeah, so this is, you know, here's what you spent on our services this year. Here's what you got out of it. Next year, we can offer you X, Y, and Z to double that number. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think 
even in the discussion phase when you're sort of repitching or re reacquainting your client with your company as it stands today, I would also encourage people to ensure that it's not just your immediate contact at that company or at that entity that's your client contact that's in the room. Make sure that there's, if it's a CEO or it's a VP of marketing or the the other people who aren't dealing with you on a day-to-day basis because they're not your direct contact there are included in this conversation because sometimes the your contact and and your at that company is your greatest ally because they're the ones that work with you all the time but they also then have to sell that to the hires up at their company and sometimes if they don't understand what's going on your your client contact can be the greatest ally of you but if the executives or their bosses don't see the value, then they can't fight for you. Yeah. So ensure that not just your direct client contact is in on this greater conversation uh, in order to ensure that other people in the organization understand what you do and what you're bringing to the table. Absolutely. I think the other thing that I really want to focus on too outside of work for next year. And all of these pieces we're talking about are going to open up that space that I was mentioning earlier on in the episode is coming up with routines that actually work. And even maybe toying and messing around with a couple different options over the holiday season when things are a little more lax, but really just coming to understand like, what kind of movement do I like to do every day? If movement is something you enjoy doing, um, how can I tighten my um, like britches when it comes to my budget? and stop ordering so much skip the dishes? How can I like make the time to cook meals for myself? How can I find enjoyment in that? Um, And leveling up in other areas of your life as well so that you can be a happier person to other people and at work. So kind of like reevaluating, how am I going to create space for myself to be a happier person? Because I think we're we're all re-entering the world, hopefully a little bit more in 2022. Um, And... I for sure know this is going to happen. So I think we all have to kind of reacquaint ourselves with a routine because all of us have fallen out of our routines. Yeah. Um, Like what even, I mean, what even are pants? I will fully say that I'm never going back to pants. I mean, that's never happening in terms of routine. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been interesting. And I think, um, well, Dakota and I worked from home pre-COVID. So like, yeah. Having a home routine has has been part of our existence for years before COVID hit. But what I've noticed is, especially during the super, super um downtime of COVID, like mid early mid to 2020, um, is that if you don't feel that you have a purpose every day, it can become a very lazy and depressive place because you have no reason to get out of bed and you have no reason to do anything, right? So even from a a COVID work situation, I think we've all become much more casual in our personalities and our states, our state of dress and our state of put-togetherness over Zoom because I think that's just understandable. And I mean, I'm not ever going to go put a full face of makeup on ever again unless I'm actually in front of people. so I think from a, what I found and everybody's different and this is what you sort of have to figure out for yourself is that, and I figured this out pre COVID, but I sort of had to relearn it in 2021 as like all, all levels of 
of, of um, um, routines just got taken off the rails is that I do better. Like when you're talking about movement and things like that, I do better when I am doing that as part of my day and not something I'm trying to shove in at the beginning or the end. And because I know like back when I worked like in, like in, in an office and like with whatever, and I had to like drive to work back in the day, I knew that when I, I never used to work out in the evenings because the minute I got home, like from your 30 or 40 minute drive and it was dark out in the winter and I took my bra off, like we all do, like I was not going back out. (laughs) I was not going to go back out to a yoga class and I was not going to go back out to whatever. So I started, and especially when I was working um, in Okotoks, I started um, running and I used to run then um, at lunchtime. And that was sort of my thing because I knew I wasn't going to do it once I got home because as if. So I started, I sort of continue that in some way because for me, I'm not, I am not getting up early to go to the gym. That is not happening. And besides the fact, why am I going to get up early to go to the gym or to go for a walk in the dark when everyone yeah. else who has to go to a job is art is there? And I don't have to do that. Like, I don't have to be at the gym at six mm-hmm. o'clock because I have to be at work at 8.30. Like, I don't have to do that. Yeah. So why am I making myself? So I find that booking that movement into my day, like, so if it's a lunchtime or if it's like, I always find like two in the afternoon, like the gym is dead. So I sort of look at that as my time um, to go to the gym or for a walk or whatever my movement is, because then I'm not trying to then shove it in at the end of my day and like, oh, somebody wants to go for drinks after work or whatever. And it's like, oh, I'm supposed to go to the gym. And oh, now I'm not going to go. And then you just feel awful about yourself. But it's like, no, you already fit that time in, even if it was 20 minutes. And it breaks up your day. Like, that's what I have found too. Like, especially when yeah. you're working from home, um, is you need that breakup in your day. Um, otherwise, everything just seems to like pile together. So totally. if two o'clock or whatever it is, is sort of my break in the day where I can just leave everything and go, mm-hmm. then I feel like I've been able to Better. separate my work and my life a little bit. Totally. I think I love that. And I, I think that's a great, great way to approach it. I think the thing that I struggle with is um, I'm happiest when I like get up in the morning and do my thing in the morning and have a shower and I'm kind of like ready to go for the day. I also have a dog to take care of. So like I got to find time during the day to take her for a walk. So as much as I really hate getting up early because I'm not a morning person and it's been an ongoing project my whole life. um, I, I will say that when I can get my butt to the gym at a certain time, I do find that it's like pretty dead at around the time that I go. Um, and then it's kind of done and over with for the morning and it does really energize me. But there is something to be said about doing the afternoon workout because it does break up the day. I just find that I can't be bothered with like having to shower after a workout in the middle of the day because I like doing that in the morning. Oh yeah, no, I will. Well, as if I'm showering <laughs> after a workout in the Well, but what if you have evening plans? But that's different. But then you would... See, on those days, if I have evening plans or if I have something that's in the evening, my gym goes to 10 o'clock. It goes in the morning. Yeah. And the great thing about being an entrepreneur and and a business owner is that you can start work. I mean, you have to start work at a reasonable time. And like, I know for myself, uh, the work that I've had this past year, I've kind of had to be logged in and available at a certain time. But that's not to say that you can't... Like One of the things I love about Alyssa is she doesn't take meetings 
generally speaking, unless it's an emergency until after 1030. Yeah. She, she kind of like takes that time in the morning for herself to get situated and whatnot. I've been trying to be better at that because this year was cuckoo bananas with how early I was getting up and I was just really burning out and resenting things. But I think moving forward, like I'm looking forward to getting up at a reasonable hour, heading to the gym because it's dark out and depressing and I don't really want to run in the dark and it's cold. And then, you know, having that time to answer emails, make a proper breakfast and, and kind of like have that morning ritual. Um, and I, the great and beautiful thing is you can design that how you want it, right? Yeah, and I think... This is sometimes we forget as entrepreneurs and and why we work for ourselves to begin with is because our schedule is our own. And I think too often, and I fall into this and I know Dakota has, but we end up adjusting our schedules and our lives to suit clients. And it's a very difficult position to get yourself into because sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll do it thinking it's a one-off or they need you at something. And so you'll, you'll go to some event or you'll do something for them and you think it's a one-off and then they have this expectation that now it's um, expected. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're in it, it's really hard to sort of see what's happening. And then you realize that like, well, I haven't like moved my body or not eaten uh, chips and dip at my desk for the last three weeks. Week. Cause you're like, yeah. oh, crap. and I think, that's, I mean, in getting back to that original conversation about sort of pitching, repitching your clients or sort of reintroducing your clients to your business and who you are, mm-hmm. it's also a good time to sort of bring up um, expectations and clear lines in the sand of when things happen and when they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, that's just an expectation thing, right? And if you're going to, if you're going to start talking about pricing and all those sorts of things, it's like, well, that pricing and that rate that you're getting, whether it's a retainer rate or a project rate or an hourly rate or however you choose to bill your time, it includes these things. And that's it. That's it. That's it. This is the contract value of this. Like I'm not taking texts from you at eight o'clock at night. If you want to start doing that, then you're going to start paying a thousand dollars more a month base minimum. Like, I mean, this is the, this is, this gets back to the whole, like not understanding of, of, of service-based businesses that somehow we're there for their back and call. It's like, no, like, do you expect Home Depot to be open 24 hours a day? So you can go get your saw at three in the morning because you just, oh, you had an epiphany and it's like, you needed a saw. It's like, no, no one thinks that, but somehow we're expected to be available for people 24 seven. So it's having those conversations of expectations. And that's why, I mean, I think everyone's gone off the rails a little bit over COVID because things have just been so overwhelming and just like batshit crazy for everyone. But even for myself for 2022, it's like getting back to understanding that I only book, yeah, I only book meetings after 10, like unless like someone's dying, which I work in communications, that's not happening. Um, And my meetings are on Tuesdays. Like, I don't care if I have five or six meetings back to back because that's my meeting day. But you don't get to just insert yourself into other parts of my week when I have client work to do or I have other things that I've scheduled. It's like, if you need to talk to me and we have, and this is why I've been better too in my contracts um, of assigning weekly check-ins. It's like, this is our day. This is our time. This is our weekly meeting. This is what's going to be covered in that weekly meeting. And that's your time to just get me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Like that's what's included in this rate that you're paying. And yeah. it's one check in a month. 
and we go through all, or one check in a week and we go through all these things and it's Tuesday at 10 o'clock and this is what happens. And other than that, I don't want to hear from you. You let me go do my job. Yeah. The other thing though, is you also have to hold yourself responsible. And I think yeah. one of my my problems has been, I'm fine with laying down the law, but then I oftentimes self-sabotage me. So know what your limits are, know what your boundaries are, and then actually stick to them. So if you're going to tell a client, no, I will not be responding to you after 5.30, um, unless it's an emergency, don't answer your emails at 8.30 at night. Yeah. Um, and don't do things out of hours. Because I know I've gotten myself into hot water a number of times this year. Like obviously clients were like, thanks Dakota. Like we really appreciate that. But then of course they come to expect, oh, Dakota's monitoring on a Saturday. So it's like, if you don't monitor social media on weekends, don't do it on weekends. Even if you see something, you have to just let it go until Monday. Because then that expectation is there that uh, you're offering that. The other thing I would say as well is really review your services into 2022 and look at what's working and what's not. One of the things that I think is such an interesting case study, and actually, if if there's any other social media managers in the house right now, would love a DM from you on our Instagram page, letting me know how you manage this service offering. Monitoring. Monitoring social media is probably the biggest time suck other than native posting, um, which I recently found out later, total sidebar, later the app now offers carousel postings and Instagram postings that are automated. Instagram story postings, sorry, that are automated. I had no idea this was a thing. Oh yeah. Later, I, later is the best social oh, I'm media switching. software ever. I it used is, to be... Yeah. It is so good. And it's Canadian. And it's too. cheaper than freaking Sprout. It is so good. Oh my God. Later so yeah, I'm so, swapping. So I'm switching everybody over to later in the new year. Um, so long story short though, monitoring, it's a necessity. It's definitely part of the package. But you really have to know, like, how often are you monitoring for clients? Do you have an engagement package add-on that you should be offering them? Or is that part of your bread and butter? And should it be part of your bread and butter? I think the answer is no. I think if a client wants extra engagement or extra monitoring, that's an add-on that happens. That's not part of your regular retainer. Or if you're going to have it like that, you should be offering hourly, not a retainer. Just because it can get out of hand so bloody quickly. And then before you know it, you've got like 40 additional hours that month monitoring. So just knowing what your what service offerings make sense and which ones don't, and not being afraid to drop them if they're like physically affecting your nervous system. Right. And I think that's the thing too. Like, I mean, it's just a learning for everyone that what we do, um, Shouldn't control our lives. Shouldn't control our lives. And our clients should definitely not control our lives. And we should not allow that to happen. Um, I think it was Mike Morrison on Twitter last week or just a few days ago was commenting that he was, I think it was a Sunday or a Saturday or something. And he was doing something to get ready for his upcoming online social West things that he does. And he was saying, he goes, I am sending, sending out, I'm using that in quotes, sending out emails on a Saturday. But he's like, uh, they won't receive them until Monday. Because he goes, yeah. just because I'm working on a Saturday doesn't mean they have to be. And mm-hmm. I don't need them to know that I've done this on a Saturday. So he goes, I've scheduled all these emails to go out on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's something to think about too. Like what tools can you use? To automate if, things. To automate things, right? So yeah. even if you are working late because you decided to um, take your kids to the zoo for the afternoon. And so you're working late on a on a Friday or a Thursday night. And you're preparing your next day. And so you're sending or doing emails and all that kind of stuff. Don't send them 
at nine o'clock at night. Schedule them to go out Friday morning and arrive in their inbox at nine o'clock so that they, because just because you're working doesn't mean, and that will alleviate some of that, like, oh, thanks for doing that, Dakota. We saw that came in at eight o'clock at night. It's like, yeah, you're not doing yourself any favors. And frankly, you're kind of disrespecting your clients' time too, right? Because you should really walk the walk of what you're trying to, how you're trying to live your life. So if you're sending shit that late, you know, you're kind of expecting your client might also be like, well, why? I guess I have to look at my inbox now because Dakota yeah. just said something. Like, no. And you're yeah, just going to I mean, clients... And the thing with service providers too that we have to always remember is that every client's different and every client yeah. requires more or less touch points. And so if you have clients who are good with one week meeting and they will leave you alone, yeah, awesome. Because yeah, you have, have to now know that your other client of whatever is going requires more touch points so even though you still have a weekly meeting with them you know that you're still going to get a few emails in their week because they just are needier so you have to factor that into your time mm-hmm. so if you're if your less needy clients require less of your time and you're able to get their work done quicker then that frees up time for more of the needier people and you're then you're still not eating into other people's time but Every client that I have and have had over the last six plus years, while the contract components are the same, like the legalities of contracts, the actual appendices are always different because you sort of know off the bat in terms of um, their sort of style of whether you have to be very, very detailed about what this is, what's included in this. Or if you're just like, this is the cost and they're like, yeah, cool, whatever. Like, it's not a one-stop shop for everybody either. And how you lay out your retainers or your project billing or whoever you bill has to be different for everyone because you know that some clients are going to suck the life out of you. So maybe they get charged hourly. (laughs) And the good ones that take you zero time and are fine, like, and are happy, like, and you, you charge them a retainer and there's where you make your money because you're not actually putting in the time required yeah. for that. And time, time sucker clients are not bad. You just have to be no. responsible enough to bill them accordingly. And yes. I think part of my learnings over the last five years of running this business has been that I need to honor myself more and quit spreading myself thin to please other people. And there's a thing, um, Jen Burson is a a PR um, person out of uh, California and she runs a generation PR as her company. And I've gotten into her um, webinars and stuff. I'll link her in our show notes too, because her stuff's really interesting, um, especially from a PR media perspective. But um, she wasn't even a PR person. She was a lawyer and she kind of fell into PR, which I find interesting, but she's very much a... um, That'd be a double threat. Right. Um, very much a retainer is the only way to go sort of person because she's like, there's only so many hours in a day. So if you're charging hourly, you can't scale up your business because there's no more hours to take from. So that's interesting. But she made an interesting point in one of her um, Facebook sessions or maybe it might've been her podcast, I can't remember. Um, that she's like, when, you, when you're pricing, she did a whole session on pricing. Um, and she, of course, bases it on retainer because that's how she... That's what she believes in how she structures her business. She's like, if your retainer is big enough and what you're presenting to them now, now she's in PR like with five five figure monthly retainer. So like we're not at that scale, but 
if you're presenting a retainer, <laughs> would that be cool? Right. Or be able to charge 20 grand a month? But no, um, I don't want those kinds of projects. That would mean I'd have no <laughs> life. What, what she was saying though is that the twenty thousand dollar a month clients that she has are completely like we have at her, trust you. It's like because they're they get it, they understand the value. If they're gonna like and yeah. granted, they're not small businesses, like these are big corporations, but if they're shelling out 20 grand a month in PR services, they understand that like they're paying for the expertise. She's like, whereas the people who are nickel and diming you over uh, your retainer are the ones that don't actually stand, understand the value of what you're bringing to the table. And they're probably yeah, not good clients true. to work with. Now you can look at that from your own perspective. So if you're presenting like a $5,000 a month retainer to a client based on what the services that they want from you and yeah. they're like bulking at it. It's like, well, you're probably not the client I should work with because if you think I should be, you want to pay $3,500 a month for the same amount of service. Yeah. No. We're not going to work well together. So you also have to stand up for yourself and your own value of what you're bringing to the table and know that the, the clients that are immediately going to bulk or nickel and dime your, your service rates are probably not the best clients. A hundred percent. And no matter how much you may like them. Yeah. The last kind of thing I'll leave you guys with too, in relation to a resource that you can review if you feel like your business needs a little bit of love. Um, one of our previous guests, Julie Shipley Strickland, recommended a book called Fix This Now to Alyssa and I. I am halfway through it. And I got to say, it's one of the best tools I've ever read in terms of how to fix uh, any sort of gaps that are happening in your business. So we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But if you guys have any other opinions or ideas around leveling up, feel free to DM us um, on Instagram at ladies who launch pod. Um, or if you have a guest in mind who could speak to this topic or any of the topics that we mentioned, please do send us a note and introduce us. Absolutely. And other than that, we look forward to actually seeing you in 2022. Yes. <laughs> like people, people, oh, people. <laughs> um, well, Dakota and I don't even see each other. We didn't even see each other in 2021. We're still on Zoom. No, like, so we're still on Zoom. We're in our own kettle of it's crazy. Kind of, it is a little efficient, though. I won't, I won't lie. I'm like, I'm kind of wondering how we're going to roll in 2022 because, as much as like, I would love to see Alyssa on a bi weekly basis to tape. And I think we will because I've now got some pretty sweet space to do that in. Um, I do think that there will be opportunities where Zoom makes sense. But uh, but yeah, it'll be nice to actually see you again. I know, Zoom. Right. Well, I mean, I do have to say, like with the filter, like Zoom has great filters, beauty filters. Ooh. I look amazing on Zoom. I'm just going to say that. Where is the filters? I so if you go into your... Where is it? Uh, where is it? Video, if you go into the little arrow that's by your video camera and you go into oh video settings... What? And there's like a like a blur filter and you can like up the percentage. What is it oh called? Oh my god. Yeah, okay. it's like uh yeah, touch up my appearance and then just crank that up. And you'll look like a friggin' movie star. What the hell? That is really cool. Zoom tip of the day, people. If, Go you, with that. Um, if you haven't already figured this out two years into friggin' COVID. <laughs> Hopefully you have. Otherwise, Hopefully we're judging you. you. Just kidding. Yeah. I didn't know. Well, guys, talk to you soon. See you in 2022. Well, technically we are again, even though we aren't. I'm so confused. <laughs> so terrible. So terrible. Just never pre-record because we cannot no. ever get it together. That was, that was my favorite part of this episode. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. 
Have anyway. a great 2022, everyone. We'll see. We'll uh, chat on the next episode. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Ladies Who Launch. Join Dakota and Alyssa every second Wednesday for more conversations and interesting guests. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. If you send us a question, we may answer it on a future episode. 